Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Jason, it's great to have you back, buddy. How was staycation? <laughs> if I see another strawberry, I am just going to cry. <laughs> well, shoot. Today's cocktail is the strawberry daiquiri. <laughs> Are you freaking kidding me? You know I am, but I couldn't resist. <laughs> but seriously, did you have a nice time with the family? Yeah, man, I really did. Some of our listeners may know that my wife uh, grew up on a strawberry farm. Her grandparents still run to this day. They've got a strawberry patch. It was peak strawberry season. I took a week off so her and her sister could be out there helping out, picking strawberries, selling strawberries, marketing strawberries. Uh, I made strawberry shortcake and I, mm. I cleaned and diced up so many strawberries. Uh, it was awesome. Strawberries are a, a thing for my wife's family and for me. Though we never had that many strawberries growing up. They have acres of strawberry plants, but it was nice to see family. My my uh, sister-in-law, my wife's sister and her husband and their their one-year-old-ish son and their dog lived with us for the week. Uh, <laughs> so that was nice. We got to see what it'd be like to be a family of uh, 10. So wow, it's, it's really big. So basically, um, you guys are done having babies is what you're <laughs> No, I don't know, man. Uh, we had we had friends over and they brought their little baby. Joe was holding holding him and she was like, oh, no. Oh, like, <laughs> wow. You know how it goes. You get that baby fever when you just hold one of those little nuggets. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I've been uh, called the baby whisperer in my wife's family. Mostly that's because they cry. I hold them and I'm so warm. They just they can't help but fall asleep. And you're so... Uh, Soft, say it. I, Go ahead. Pillowy. I couldn't think of a kind way to finish that after I started. <laughs> Comfortable. You're yeah. like downy, like a pillow. They can't help but fall asleep when I hold them. And <laughs> what's funny is then I end up falling asleep. So yeah. it's good for both of us. <laughs> it was nice actually. Uh, Anna came into the office one of the, uh, one of the days here to see uh, Brent, and I talked to her and everything, and didn't even realize that she was 20 weeks pregnant. Yeah, I'm going to have a new niece in a little while. So that's, that's cool. Exciting. It's Another really baby. exciting. Good stuff, man. Good yeah. times. Yeah. Well, all of that aside, why don't we jump right in? Today is going to be a great one, I think. It's Mule Day. Um, <laughs> as promised, we're talking about all kinds of mules. We did uh, harken back to this one in the, I believe it was the Bitcoin episode. We tried one of the Flat Rock Rye or the one of the Moonshines. The Corn Whiskey. No, the... Uh, it was the corn whiskey. Oh, I can't remember what it was called. the corn whiskey. Yeah. Uh, the living proof corn whiskey. It was good. That with the mule. And then we promised a mule episode, and here we have it. Today is mule day. I'm excited. Mules are fun. What's a mule, Jason? Yeah, today, <laughs> uh, today, just so you are all listeners all know, a mule is technically the offspring of a male donkey and a female horse. And um, <laughs> so that. Uh, Caleb, why am I excited yeah. about this? No, that was a very literal definition of a mule. <laughs> uh, a mule is also a mixed drink. I think some folks would say oh. that it's um, maybe not a cocktail, but it is a mi mixed drink, in fact. 
It is commonly accepted that the name comes from the kick that's provided by one of the prime ingredients in a meal, which is ginger beer. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That that makes sense. Uh, So, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Why are we talking about mules today, Caleb? Well, Jason, I thought long and hard about this one. Uh, I've been wanting to do this episode for a long time, and uh, the finance topic just lined up really well. A mule is a pretty simple cocktail. It requires only a few ingredients. It's very affordable to make. No fancy, expensive liqueurs. No hard-to-find bitters that are going to break the bank. No, sir, a mule is a working man's cocktail on a budget. And we are talking about budgeting today. Indeed. And there it is. That's it. You know, a lot of folks think that they don't really need a budget. And I'm sure that you have an opinion, but save it. I've got my copper mug ready to go. Let's talk about mules. Well, Caleb, the first and most famousest of the mules is the Moscow Mule. And that's what I've got right here. It's comprised of two ounces of vodka, four ounces of ginger beer, a lime wedge, you can add juice if you like, and crushed ice, and it's traditionally served in a copper mug. Yeah, so the, the Moscow Mule is believed to have come out of the uh, the 30s or the 40s when vodka was not a particularly popular drink here in the States, uh, which is funny because it's insanely popular now, and I can't figure <laughs> it out. So I'm going to oversimplify here. Essentially, uh, the way this came about, we had a bartender who bought way too much vodka, And way too much ginger beer, and he needed to get rid of it. So he mixed the two in copper mugs, added a lime, because that's what you do. And there you have it, (laughs) Moscow Mule. Yeah, imagine that, inventing ways to get rid of vodka. (laughs) I can think of many ways, uh, you know, cleaning and things like that. Uh, But why don't you tell me how you really feel? (laughs) Man, I just, vodka's not the best. There are better versions of this mule, I think. We've got ginger beer. We got an easy way to make a mixed drink that is super refreshing and good. Maybe we should use something other than vodka. <laughs> yeah, I, that's all. So the the <laughs> Moscow Mule has been around for a long time, a long time. And mm-hmm. again, you know, vodka is the main ingredient there. But um, ever, you know, I think a lot of uh, bartenders have kind of taken the cue, uh, similar to what we talked about. You know, this would be really good without the vodka. <laughs> Why don't we try it with some other things? So Yeah, what if we use something, I don't know, good? Yeah, like one variation that comes to mind, uh, which I'm sipping on right now, and we've we've both tried all of these uh, that we're going to get into, but I am sipping on a Kentucky Mule. Again, not real complicated. Same recipe as the Moscow Mule, just substitute with bourbon. And, and what do you know? It's fantastic. This is the way a mule should be enjoyed, in my opinion. Uh, So the ginger beer adds some like really good kick, really good spices. It's fun. It tastes good. By the way, most ginger beers that you find are going to be Mm non-alcoholic. So this isn't like an overdone drink. No. Um, And, you know, you add the vodka and that's why everybody adds vodka because they want to feel the effects of alcohol and maybe get that that joy from drinking a little bit uh, without tasting anything. Yeah. And. With these drinks and with most of these cocktails we're talking about, I like tasting things that taste good. And when you add a nice bourbon with some ginger beer and some lime, it's really easy. And man, the taste is refreshing. It is kind of complex, especially depending on the bourbon that you use and the ginger beer, by the way. And it's so enjoyable. Oh, yeah. This, the Kentucky Mule is 
is my favorite mule. It's so good. We tried four different mules here, and we'll get into the other two because we've already talked about the Moscow and the Kentucky mule. But yeah, this one's my favorite, and um, it was the last one that I mixed up. Mm-hmm. The others, I mean, the others were pretty good, but it's really hard to yeah. top this. The last time that we talked about mules, we were mixing it with moonshine, which is, you know, we, we talked about how illegal moonshine was. This should be illegal. It's so stinking good. No, no, I disagree. They should make it more legal. Okay. The government should mandate the consumption of Kentucky mules or mules in general. I think it lifts the spirits. I'm enjoying it, Caleb. Yeah. It's not complicated at all. So if you're one of our listeners out there that's listening and you're not like really into cocktails, and like Caleb said at the top of this, this is cocktails on a budget. It may not technically be a cocktail, but you don't have to go out and buy seven ingredients that are kind of, you know, kind of hoity toity. Mm-hmm. You can just get ginger beer, find yourself a lime, and get your spirit of choice. And baby, you got yourself a mule going. You certainly do. And you know, we knew we were going to work mules into these episodes one way or the other. We <laughs> we had some fun brainstorming sessions where we talked about the Moscow mule versus the Kentucky mule, uh, communism versus capitalism, right? <laughs> that would have been a good one. Just like capitalism, there it is no contest in my opinion. Kentucky mule no. all the way. That's not to say that the other variations that we tried weren't good. So, Jason, let's talk about the next mule that we tried. Next up is the Mexican mule. You guessed it. That's the same recipe. I guess ginger beer makes it a mule, mostly. But this is with I think so. the Mexican spirit of choice, tequila. This was good. I liked it. And it's funny because, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it, but the fourth one that we tried was uh, a gin oh, of co- of course. mule or a gin 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 ginger um <laughs> i just assumed that i would like that more than the the uh, mexican mule but uh wow the mexican mule was really good i i like tequila I, I like good tequila we'll put it that way and i was wondering why i like this so much the ginger beer was actually made with agave nectar so i think that might be why the the tequila really was singing for me you use agave nectar and variations of margaritas which has tequila yeah. So it kind of felt a little bit like that, but with that ginger mm-hmm. spice. Really good. I, I, I like the Mexican mule. Man, it's uh, or or the burro, right? W- uh, would that be the, the Spanish word for mule? I, I took three years. Is that not just donkey? That's a different somebody fact somebody. The donkey fact is different than the mule, be. I think. I Well, you gave the you gave the definition yeah. of a of a mule at the beginning yeah. of the show. I, so please <laughs> fact check me. Please write your responses <laughs> to speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. Jason, what did you think of the Mexican mule? I, I thought the Mexican mule was a hit, man. I, I am not as big of a fan of, of tequila as you are. I, I probably have not had it as much. I liked it in the margaritas that we made uh, for this show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's good, but it's a little more tangy uh, than some other liquors for my taste. With the mule, it, it seemed to play really nice. And it could be because we used the Q brand of ginger beer, which I highly recommend everyone. It's a, it's a, and we're not being paid to plug this brand, but wow. I wish we were. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would plug probably like Joe's ginger beer if you paid me. But, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> but the Q brand is really, really good. I, I've tried it with a couple. Of, we do, we've done these with ginger ale too. And that's totally acceptable if you can't find good ginger beer. But this Q brand is really phenomenal. You know, Jason, that's a really good point. If you are not a huge fan of the spiciness of ginger, maybe you don't like ginger ale at all, but there definitely is more sweetness uh, to a ginger ale. I have also used ginger ale in a pinch, and especially when there's not very good ginger beer available. 
And I'm going to go back to my ginger ale of choice, which is Ale 8. You know, you know about Ale 8. Oh, yes. Uh, so my wife spent some time in Winchester, Kentucky years ago, and that's the drink of choice down there. It goes great. I don't know with any of the other ones that we tried, but it goes great with bourbon. I think it was designed to be mixed with bourbon. <laughs> it could be. Honestly. That Kentucky connection probably was made yeah. to pair well with bourbon. <laughs> so again, like we say with any of these, you know, do what you enjoy. Do what makes you feel good. Whatever whatever you like. If you like vodka, hopefully we don't offend you too much. <laughs> <laughs> it is the least best of all of the mules that you could possibly make, but it's still okay. Drink what you enjoy. Just do it responsibly. Yeah, we've done the Moscow Mule, we've done the Kentucky Mule, we've done the Mexican Mule. I think I can maybe do one more. Okay, okay. That would be the Gin Mule, or the Gin Gin, right? Gin, ginger beer, also known as the Gin Buck. Don't ask me why it's called that. I I really, I'm not sure it's out there. I read something about it, but we don't have time for the explanation on the podcast. (laughs) After all, this is a finance podcast, first and foremost. Yeah. So we need to move on to budgeting. If you are uh, at that phase where you've decided you need a budget, you need to stick to it, but you like not only high finance, you like cocktails. I think the uh, any mule variation is probably going to fit into the budget. So <laughs> maybe, I don't know, what were we, uh, 15 minutes in roughly? I don't know. We should probably learn to budget our time a little bit better too. What did you think, Jason, of the gin mule? The gin buck or the gin mule? The gin, yeah. Gin, gin, gin buck? Whatever you want to call it. It's funny because we just learned that gin does not really have any ginger in it. I liked it. It was good. I am a we're gin apologists on this show. Love it. We used a simple London dry gin with this even, and it was great. I bet with some of the fancier, more complicated gins, it would be even more interesting, even though there's a, a threat that the ginger beer overpowers the actual like nuance going on in the gin. It's great, man. You can hardly go wrong. I wonder what a, a Hendrix or even New Rifts, their bourbon barreled, which, you know, those are a little bit more complex uh, yeah. like florally kind of gins. I wonder what they those would, would oh, taste or like. Or any, uh, any of the higher end gins. And there's so many different kinds of gins coming out now. I bet you, I yeah. bet you, you could have some fun with that. Uh, it's going to be really hard, in my opinion, to beat the Kentucky Mule. We used a high proof yeah. bourbon that we really like from New Rift, their single barrel. And uh, that was great. But with the gin, it was awesome. The gin kind of fades away and really lets the ginger beer take over. So I think you'd need a nicer ginger beer if you're going to do it that way. If you want to enjoy the penultimate taste sensation. But, you know, it was good, man. What'd you think? I liked it. I I think if if I need to rank them, I'd probably go Kentucky Mule. Surprise, surprise. I like bourbon. (laughs) We've said that a million times on this show. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I think the real surprise would be that I would go with the uh, Mexican mule next. I think that the way You're crazy. That, oh, I think that the way that the uh, the tequila and the agave, that little bit of agave nectar in this this particular ginger beer that we drank, just it really played. They played well together, um, and then I would go with the gin. No surprises, vodka comes in last, but I will say the ginger beer does a pretty good job of hiding that. yeah we're not vodka fans here i'd love for somebody to prove us wrong with some great vodka but i gotta rank them the same way kentucky mule first well not the same way kentucky mule first vodka mule or moscow mule last Uh, but i have the gin gin buck second as far as this goes uh for me but you know hey everyone out there give it a shot buy some ginger beer if you can find q good if you can find something else even better Uh, you can make it on your own you can brew ginger beer at home. 
There are alcoholic versions mm-hmm. of it. We haven't used any of those uh, in our tasting, uh, but give it a shot. It's really fun. Uh, this is we're recording this during the summer. I think it's a great a great beverage yeah, for the summer. It's right up there with the gin and tonic. Oh, for sure. Actually, my wife was like, <laughs> I made a I made a Kentucky Mule for her, and she's like, "What did you do differently in this gin and tonic? It tastes oh. really good." I'm like, I'm like, well, I replaced the gin with bourbon and the tonic with <laughs> ginger beer. <laughs> And I made you a Kentucky mule instead of a gin and tonic. That's why you like it so much. (laughs) That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about budgeting. Yeah. Jason, we hear this all the time when we're dealing with clients. When we're talking about finance in general, what do you think? Does everybody need a budget? Yeah, they do, Caleb. Everybody Every single person, all of them, needs a budget. Every single per- person, uh, budgeting is not cool. I-, I was reading Carl Richards, and I know you were too mm-hmm. on this. Uh, Carl Richards, everyone is a he's he's a financial advisor. He's an advocate of real financial planning. Uh, he has a lot of basically now he just coaches financial advisors. I think, uh, but he had a very successful practice of his own. And uh, we like him because he's very open and honest about mistakes that he's made in the past. Um, He's not one of these guys that's going to tell you, I've done everything right. Therefore, you should follow my system. Uh, He he takes a different approach. It's more of a here's how I've screwed things up. Don't do the same things that I did, (laughs) which is I mean, Dave Ramsey's another one who does that. We talk about the Pope of personal finance all the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? He's, he's kind of the same way. Learn from my mistakes. But he's got a lot of really good things to say about budgeting. Both of these guys do. Yeah. And, and Carl Richards is basically saying budgeting has a marketing problem. It's <laughs> yeah. like right, right there with flossing is what he said yep. in his book, The One Page financial, financial Plan. We all know it's good. We all know we should do it. <laughs> But man, it's hard. And Mitch Hedberg has an awesome joke about flossing. Oh, which we have like, never I, talked about Mitch Hedberg on this podcast. No, no, our favorite comedian by a lot, probably. Um, but he says, I never had to quit smoking, but I do know how hard it is to quit smoking. It's as hard as it is to start flossing. <laughs> and that's a lot like it is with budgeting. It's really hard to get started there's a lot of reasons, a lot of psychology involved with why we don't want to do budgeting. I wrote a blog a while back called Budgeting. It's a B word. Oh, um, I didn't yeah. read that one. That is, uh, that's that's a little controversial, Jason. Is That was all the way back. Well, B, budget uh-huh. starts with B. I don't know why it would be controversial, oh, okay. Caleb. Yeah, all right. Uh, but budgeting is not like a, a an attractive part of building financial independence. We're all not like, oh man, I can't wait to budget. Yeah. I'm going to get rich. Like it's going to be all great, of our friends but, are sitting around talking about their budgeting successes. No, they're talking about <laughs> yeah. their hot stock tips instead. Yeah. I, I, to go back to the flossing analogy, I love that because the way Carl puts it is you don't do it. And then you sit down with your financial advisor and you say, yeah, we do a budget. When did you do? Well, last night we we knew we were meeting with you and we worked on our budget. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's it's not it's not necessarily fun. I think a lot of people associate it with pain, uh-huh. and a lot of people and that pain is associated with the fact that it's it's restrictive. I don't want to do a budget because I don't want to be grounded. Yeah. I don't want to be punished. I don't want to be told I'm not allowed to have any fun. I think we'll get into that as we talk about budgeting more. But to answer your question, does everyone need a budget, Caleb? The answer is yes. Some people need to be a lot tighter with their budget, but but it really depends on your goals. If you want to do things with your money, 
having a budget will help you do those. It's actually liberating. Everyone out there should have a plan for their money, no matter how much they have. If you're making a million, hundred million dollars a year, you should have a plan for your money. And mm-hmm. I guarantee you some of those really rich people have a, a whole team of people making a plan for their money. And if you only make, you know, twelve or twenty thousand dollars a year, it's even more imperative sure. for you to have a budget because you have you have things you want to do. And to be able to do those things, you got to get a plan together and a budget's going to help you do that. And, and I think that that's the misnomer. The idea is because it's more important for someone who's making less money, where every dollar is going has more of an impact if, if you're making less. I, I think there's an idea that yeah, budgets are for poor people. Budgets are for people that who aren't making much money. But when I get to that point where I'm, I'm just making money hand over fist, I won't need a budget anymore. Well, we can go back to an episode where we talked about millionaires and some of the common traits among millionaires. The simple truth of the matter is they know where every every penny is going. Every dollar has a purpose. I'm ripping that right off of Dave Ramsey. But why <laughs> go any further with that? It's very, very practical and applicable. People who do well with money know where their money is going, and that shouldn't shock any of us, should it? No, absolutely not. I, the most successful people know what their money is doing. Like Dave Ramsey says, they give their every dollar a name. They give every dollar a purpose to get some stuff done. And uh, we talk a lot about stewardship personally. I don't know how much we've talked about on the show. But uh, when you have money, you have a responsibility to do the right thing with it. And just like anything else, your gifts, your talents, that sort of thing. Um, doing a budget just really gives your money a name and a purpose. And actually, the more you have, the more important a budget is in that regard, because you have more dollars to tell what to do. You're right. I know people really associate budgeting with being broke. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of a, a it's it's mandatory for folks that are broke. You you need a budget to heal that phase of your life. To not be but broke forever. Yeah, that's right. But if you're doing real good, a budget still makes a lot of sense so that you can maximize the wealth that you're accumulating you can maximize the income that you have you can maximize enjoyment you can you can be generous mm-hmm. you can do great things you can enjoy life to the maximum so everybody needs a budget everybody An- another analogy <laughs> you and I talk about this a lot i lost some weight you know going back to september i i uh, i don't like to call it a diet but i really started budgeting my calories like tracking yeah i started tracking tracking <laughs> things and i get i budgeted right this is how many calories mm-hmm. i get per day so don't waste it boy there are some days i really wanted a cocktail so i wasn't gonna hit the oreos you know yeah but it's funny when you hit that goal and uh you kind of say all right it's time to celebrate and uh, i'm gonna enjoy myself for a couple of weeks and you find yourself going way over budget and next thing you know you're back to where you were i'm not totally back there but I lost about 30 pounds. I gained 10 of it back. Yeah. And I might just, I mean, it's all in my belly too, all in the wrong places. But <laughs> it's its applicable because uh, we think, okay, so I understand the need or the importance of a budget until let's say I'm out of debt or let's say I'm you know contributing X amount to retirement accounts and things like that. And then I'm going to have fun with my money. And the next thing you know, you're adding debt. You're you're putting charges on your credit card and things of that nature. Right. All of a sudden, you're back you to yeah. the problem that got you started on the budget in the first place. No, a budget is not just for someone who's, you know, needing to get out of debt or in a bad spot. It's what also keeps you in the good place that you're in if you've gotten out of debt and all of those other things. 
this is going to be one of those episodes where I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, it's like talking to my kids, do as I say, not as I do. I'm not always the best at this. Yeah. Because I like to give myself a break. I like to give myself a lot of leeway. It can be really hard. So we're talking about the, the importance of doing a budget. It is so that you can be generous, so that you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish with your money. But it is hard to commit the time and the energy to to having the perfect budget and allotting for every single dollar. And I think it's important to build in some cushion, some fluff, sure. uh, so that you can enjoy things. Uh, but other times, it is important to be kind of locked down so that you know you're moving forward. You're, you're, you're moving towards what you want to do. So you're not just treading water. You're not moving yeah. backwards and that sort of thing, which, which is nice. We can talk now, I think, pretty easily, Caleb, about uh, we already mentioned reasons why we don't budget, but I think it's important to go into go into that in, in more in depth. Why sure. don't we budget? Uh, why don't we know you and I are financial advisors? It's our job. We know <laughs> the value of budgeting. Uh, and we tell our clients every day, where's your budget? Be intentional about your budget. Write it down. Yeah. you. Everybody needs to know, but we don't do it perfectly every single month. So no. why not? Why don't we? You know, I think that uh, a lot of times we just, we don't, th- the obvious is we don't think we need it, really. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at your bank statements, if that's still something you do, or you check your online banking and you say, look, I'm, I'm making X amount, I spend X amount, I know that I'm making more than I spend, so I'm okay. It could be as simple as that. You know, I've got a surplus. Well, could that surplus be more? Could it, could it be could it be a that number? Could that that be a little bit better? Sure. When you're not keeping an eye on things, you know, I I keep going back to in my head to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm-hmm. That's from Spider Man, right? Uh, no, th- I think that that's from the Bible. But um, <laughs> Spider Man also, uh, I was waiting for you to throw that in there. <laughs> like I, every good story, it's just copying <laughs> off of the gospel. I get it. Right. Spider Man is also. They're very gospely somehow. But but I think that we just we just assume that we don't really need it. And I think that we gotta be honest with ourselves because Jason, some days you work really hard. And some days I work really hard. <laughs> <laughs> we work really hard for what we we have. And I think that you gotta be honest with yourself and say, Well, I'm sp- I'm work I'm doing all of that for fast food. <laughs> that's crazy you know right. um so I, I think it's really important to keep an eye on those kinds of things so i think it's obvious that you know a lot of times we think we don't need it but i think at the root of things is the idea that we we're afraid of what we're gonna find out about ourselves if we actually do a budget yeah how many times have you been working through that with someone you find out it's usually food people usually way vastly yeah. overspend on food, whether it's eating out at restaurants or or something. Uh, the reason we don't want to do a budget is we don't want to see where we're messing up, where we're sabotaging ourselves, Sure, whether that's trips to the gas station. I know a lot of you guys out there are, uh, you, get, you get a tank of gas, you also grab some lottery tickets, you grab a couple of sodas. Monster grab, energy drinks. Yeah, you grab, you grab your energy drinks and a bag of <laughs> chips. And all of a sudden, gas is costing you an extra 20 bucks every time because you've also got all these other but goodies. But you tell your wife, look, no, that's a gas station receipt. That's gas. <laughs> Not to mention the $10 of extra stuff. I and that you do that every time. And you don't want to see that. That's why you don't want to do a budget. You don't want to have to see that you're 
that you're messing up. So none of us want to know that we're failures. That's why we don't want to do a budget. I think I think that's the well, main thing. I don't want to see where I'm really messing up because I don't want to have to fix it. Quite simply, and this this really covers a lot of areas of life. We don't like to be accountable. Absolutely not. I don't want to have a conversation with my wife at the end of the month when we're looking at numbers. You spent $200 on fast food this month? No wonder you're fat. (laughs) She would never say that, but I'm going to just avoid the situation entirely. (laughs) I'll tell you how to fix this. Let's just not do a budget. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did the ginger beer get you a little bit there, Jason? (laughs) You got a little tickly. (laughs) <laughs> oh man, you're right though. I I don't want to I don't want to be told no, and that comes back to the the root of why we don't want to do yeah. that. Yeah. We don't I'm a wanna, grown man. I do what I want. I work hard for my money and I want to get the things that I want to get. People at work are scared of me. I'm not going to answer to a budget. I drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's a lot of it. And, and you know, part of that's childish, but that can be countered really easily by doing your budget and budgeting for the things that are important to you. Especially, and I want to talk a lot about this is budgeting while married because that that in and of itself is a issue. Uh, because yeah. now you're taking the things that are important to you, the things that are important to your spouse, and you're kind of combining them and you're trying to figure out what what the best use of your money is for that. And it's going to be wildly different. Like yeah. my wife is not going to appreciate all the money I want to spend on pipe tobacco and pipes. <laughs> That's the and first guitars. thing I was thinking about. Like pipe tobacco. <laughs> how are guitar effects pedals going to help our family get to where we want to well, go? And I don't you write that smash hit and you make <laughs> millions of dollars on that that hit single. It's all gonna pay off. If she could just see that, Jason. <laughs> I know. Why doesn't she believe in me? You used to be a salesman. Why can't you make her see that? <laughs> I'm I'm just too honest now. I'm too realistic. So because I like it, that's it. <laughs> it so you you do want to budget for things you enjoy. You do want to budget for enjoyment. Uh, yeah. It's nice to write things down. Um, but I think that we are afraid of it because we think it's going to rob all of our joy. It's going to take mm-hmm. all of our fun away. And I can tell you what I know in marriages, a lot of times one spouse gets all pumped up about doing a budget and they, they do want to just steal the other spouse's joy. And <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta look at yourself and say, am I just trying to make us not have any fun so that we can like, how realistic is it that you're going to stay on a diet, that's a really good analogy. Mm-hmm. The diet is if you can't ever, ever have a donut or pizza, what kind of life is that? I don't want to live that kind of life, Jason. Right. <laughs> and so you don't have donuts and pizza every day. Fine. Kill me now. <laughs> but, but you got to have it sometimes. And so when you're doing budgeting, I think that's part of it. Budget for the fun stuff. Yeah. Be realistic. And you have to enjoy life now. Sometimes if you're like in dire straits, I get it. I get clamping down and doing like a total spending freeze just to figure out like where you guys are at, how to how to reorient yourselves on on money spending and your relationship with money. Yeah. Sometimes that's good for short periods of time. But eventually get get paper to pencil and figure out, you know, what is important to you with money? What is money? Yeah. Why is it important? What do you want to do with money? And that's where the budget can really help. 
And it sounds like a silly question. Why is money important to you? Well, it, it sounds obvious. It, it sounds like you don't even need to answer that question. But I think that that's where, uh, especially if you're uh, you're married, you know, having your priorities in line. And, and I'm not talking about, you know, no fun. Your priorities are to get out of debt, you know, take care of your family, do X, Y, Z, and that's it. And, you know, whatever's left over you put in the bank. What I'm saying is, as a family, as a couple, listing out your priorities. That's another spot I think where Carl Richards uh, in this book that we, you know, we've read is really good at saying, what, what, what's important to your family? Is traveling really important? Are experiences like concerts and things like that really important? I can tell you they are for me. So put it in your budget. So, so you're not feeling guilty about enjoying some of the money that you work your butt off to make. Yeah. But also make sure that you're progressing towards your financial goals. And I, I feel like the Dave Ramsey of, uh, of the world who do such a great job helping people to you know empower themselves and get out of debt, which is a horrible illness in this country. And, it, and it's an addiction, I think, that we, we have. Sometimes I think that there's the idea that you can't have any fun until you're completely out of debt. That's where I would diverge a little bit. Why not just put it in the budget? If it's a priority, add that into the budget. But when you're out of when you're out of whack and all of your money is going to concerts and fun stuff and none of your money is going towards paying off one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars in student loan or whatever it is. Well, then you got a problem. You got an imbalance there. But I, I think that that's a big thing, especially in a marriage. You know, while we're talking about marriage. Financial infidelity is one of the biggest reasons for divorce, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this day and age. Quite simply, that could just be two people who are not on the same page living selfishly uh, in their own little worlds. But I think that that's super, super important. You got to enjoy the money that you make, but not too much. I mean, I am enjoying the heck out of this Kentucky mule, but I'm not going to enjoy it too much. That would be unhealthy. (laughs) That's right. You can't. And you should check me on that, Jason, if I was. I would because I love you. I love you too, man. So like that is a great transition into what what things you'll learn from budgeting and especially in a marriage you will learn like the number one thing is you will learn what is important to your spouse about money. Yeah. Coming from the guy perspective, maybe this is sexist, <laughs> but I I've seen it happen over and over again. Security is a lot more important to the wife usually. Usually, yeah. And and guitar effects pedals and pipe tobacco, <laughs> tobacco are more important and and a fully stocked liquor cabinet are more important to the I need Paychod bitters. I need Angostura <laughs> bitters. I need, I I need orange bitters. I, I need I have it. to have it to make a Vucare. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you'll find out what's important to your spouse, which if you love them is good. That's actually nice. And you can find out how you guys can both work towards your goals. But another huge thing you'll find out when you're doing budgeting, and arguably the most important part of budgeting, is that you'll figure out where your money's going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, which is why a lot of people don't do it. They don't want to know. And you know why? Because they already know <laughs> they're going they're to the scared. wrong places. Now, I've I've had people do a budget and, act- and actually it's been really liberating to them because they're like, wow, we like to eat out, but I didn't want to spend $3,000 a month eating out. I We just <laughs> like they just were like a thousand dollars a month is great. Let's track it. That's enough. They just found $2,000 in their budget to do other stuff, to work towards other goals that they have. So in one regard, some people find out that they've got a lot more money than they thought because they've just been frittering it away, like with extra gas station trips, with just 
you know, buying whatever they want whenever with buying stuff they don't even really want or need. But, you know, other times people do know that they're overspending in some areas and they don't want to track it. But the simple fact of seeing where your money goes just for a couple months, like this is what I tell people when they want to start budgeting. I'm like, just start tracking. Just track every dollar that you spend. Do it for a couple months. Don't feel bad. This isn't a judgment game. I just want you to see where everything's going. That's been really helpful for folks because you learn where you're spending money and you might be shocked at where you're overspending. And if and when you don't like the results, right? you're going to make adjustments. We love podcasts, Jason. We're doing one right now, and we have a blast. Uh, we yeah. listen to podcasts as well. Um, one of my favorite ones out there is the Nate Land podcast, which is <laughs> Nate Bargatze uh, and a couple of his uh, comedian friends, Brian Bates and Aaron Weber. Uh, they're hilarious. They're the Seinfeld of podcasts. They'll just talk about nothing for an hour and a half and you'll die laughing. They're just funny uh, guys. I wish we were as great. funny as they're, that. They're absolutely great. But there's an episode that I, I've listened to more than once uh, because I just I laugh every time I hear it. And he talks about his life on the road and they were asking each other, you know, well, how much do you think you spend on fast food every year? And they were throwing out these obscene numbers. <laughs> and you thought, there's no way, even if you're touring for a living, there's no way you spend that much money. And in a later episode, Nate comes back and he said, yeah, my wife did the numbers. We got, we talked to our tax person. It's $12,000 a year. <laughs> And, you know, he basically says, can I afford to do that? Yeah, but do I want to do that? No way. What is wrong with me? Pack a bologna sandwich, Nate Bargatze. (laughs) (laughs) But the idea is, you know, it's easy uh, when you're not uh, assigning every dollar a name. You just kind of react and you do things. But let's say let's say that food is your thing. I don't know, cut out two or three trips to McDonald's a week and go have a really nice dinner somewhere. You know, look at your priorities. Is McDonald's or Wendy's stopping you from buying guitar effects pedals, Jason? I, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it really helps put things into a different perspective. So I think that people are afraid that by doing a budget, they're going to find out all the things that they're doing wrong, which is the reason that people don't do a lot of things. Maybe, you know, like marriage counseling or or going to church for crying out loud. I don't know. Uh, you don't want to find out what you're doing is wrong. but when you see that, you can't unsee it. So yeah. uh, I think that that's really important. If you have goals and priorities as a family, it's super important to uh, prioritize and get on the same page so that you can get your money in line with that too. So we, we've talked about why budgeting is important. I think it's, again, here we go, Jason. We're agreeing on things. Everybody um, knows it's important though, Caleb. We haven't we haven't opened, like shattered anyone's minds. I know. I, I know. Think. We haven't shocked anybody. I think anybody clicking on this realized that um, they were they were probably going to get baited into doing a budget here. So we talked about what we'd learned from, from budgeting, what really results from a budget. But let's talk about, all right, you, you've listened to the podcast. Uh, you're, you're feeling a little bit guilty about all of your frivolous spending. You want to start a budget. How do we get started? This is a great question. I've I have gone through this. I've I've said this a little bit before on the show, um, but when my wife and I got married, uh, it wasn't a great financial situation. I was in a bunch of debt from a business that I had started with my dad, and then with just I had charged Big Macs for three years uh, <laughs> on a credit card while I was in a rock band. So I've got a lot of I had, a, I had thousands of dollars of fast food, basically credit card debt, and my wife had over six figures of student loan debt when we got married. So. We were in a tough spot when we first started out. 
Um, we started budgeting. I, I found Dave Ramsey. I went through his Financial Peace University. I taught Financial Peace University, which is really budget focused. So I've tried most of the budgeting tools that are available out there. We've done a yellow pad. I've done Excel uh, spreadsheets, uh, different programmed ones by by way smarter people than I. I've used Mint.com. I used Dave Ramsey's Every Dollar. I used You Need a Budget. And really, what it comes down to is whatever's going to work for you. It's like doing a diet. Whatever's going to work for you, do that. Um, I'm a huge fan now of You Need a Budget. And the reason is it's great at tracking. It's very manual. You have to put in all of the categories and you have to basically every time money comes in, you have to tell it where it's where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And and that on the surface could sound like a bad thing, you know, like, oh, it's hard to use. But I would say that that forces you to look even harder at every dollar you're spending. And, and I, I look at something like that and say the point of that is to get you focused on where the money's going. Yeah. The yeah. fact that you've got to manually input it, that Big Mac, those skinny jeans, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Tracking is, I, that's the first step. So if you want to start budgeting, the first thing to do, I think, is just track every single transaction that you make. However you need to do it. You just write it down on a note card. You can just, you can put it into the computer. You can use one of these fancy budgeting tools, but track it. Just do it for three months. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good number. Where yeah, you've no judgment. Everything. Just see where it's going. Yeah, don't try uh, to change it yet. Uh, yep. Figure out what's going and track every single thing. You might think that that little like that little candy bar that you picked up at the gas station doesn't count, but that's exactly the kind of thing that you're trying to count. So get everything tracked for three months. There are so many uh, parallels to dieting uh, with this exercise. Uh, when I went to my doctor uh, a yearish ago. And she said, look, you know, you're, you're getting closer to 40 and it's a lot harder to lose weight at 40. Your metabolism is going to go down. Here's what I want you to do. I'd like you to be 30 pounds lighter. Now, you know me, I go 30 pounds. I can do that. Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and she said, the idea is to keep the 30 pounds off. So what she wanted me to do was first, first and foremost, you have to think about what you're eating every day. So I want you to download, and she gave me uh, the name of a calorie counting app. And she said, for three months, the only thing I want you to do is just document what you're eating. And those late night Oreos and milk, uh, you're going to look at that and say, why why did I just blow 600 calories at 10 o'clock at night? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the same kind of idea applies here. Just see where it's going. It's not a judgment thing. You don't have to change everything out of the gates. Just see where it's going. Get good at tracking it. And that exercise in itself is going to bring on some changes. Yeah, just seeing what's going on is enlightening. And you're going to, you're gonna, like you said earlier, you're going to make some changes when you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing that. If I just didn't eat Oreos at 11 o'clock at night, <laughs> I would probably lose some weight. It's the same with budgeting. If you're like, if I just cut out buying a candy bar, since I do it every single day, that adds up to like, a hundred dollars a month. That's crazy. Um, it could so, be, it could be things like that. Similar to the diet analogy, we've talked about how to start a budget and some, some really practical ways to just get started. And I think tracking is the key, but Jason, how do you stick with it when you're six months or a year into it? How do you, how do you keep it rolling? How do you capture the success and, and, and keep that momentum going forward? I think you have to figure out how to get an endorphin release from Great. budgeting yeah. somehow. Uh, and and a lot of that can be that's that's silly, but you need to gamify it a little if you can. Like you said, 
Uh, you need to do no judgment for a while and just track. That'll that'll bring on. You'll see some areas you need to improve for mm-hmm. sure, and then then you'll just go about implementing it. I think getting a good budgeting tool or a system, whatever it is that works for you guys, uh, you and your spouse, or you by yourself, do that. Like I said, I'm a big fan of you need a budget. It costs a hundred dollars a year, or maybe 130 now. Some of the best money I've ever spent because it's easy to keep my wife and I on the same page. Yeah, use a tool. That will help you track everything, but also help you forecast everything that you want to do. But here's the key. Realize that you are not going to get it 100% right every month. Mm-hmm. Stuff is going to happen. We've talked about emergency funds. It's important to have some cash set aside. Stuff's going to break. You're going to have to buy a new tire because you ran over a nail. You're going to have to buy a new refrigerator because it breaks down out of nowhere. Your kid's going to like ruin all of their clothes somehow when mm-hmm. some catastrophic event or you're chip a tooth or something yeah. crazy yeah. stuff's gonna happen that's gonna make you reallocate your budget you need to plan for that if you plan on the budget not being perfect it will give you you'll give yourself some grace you yeah. can change it that will help you stick to it you, you have to be flexible and you have to be honest and i also think you have to be able to celebrate successes and this is where yeah i would diverge from the dave ramsey school a little bit again i think what dave does is fantastic he has helped a lot of folks you know to be really aggressive to get out of debt and for some paying off that next bill is an, is the endorphin rush that they need to move on to the next thing yeah but that's not how we're all wired uh, for me, I like to have a little reward in there. You know, when I hit a milestone, I want to celebrate it a little bit. Okay. And and if I can enjoy that, then I'm all right moving on to the next step and, and working towards the next reward. Uh, so as part of the budgeting, I think budget some of that fun in there. Um, again, you know, talking about priorities, it is not wrong to budget. You know, if you're, if you're a family who enjoys the outdoors and you like hiking and kayaking and visiting national parks and things like that, budget your vacation to Yellowstone in there. You know, those are things that are important to everybody. I don't think that we were put on this earth to just work and, uh, you know, follow a budget strictly and not enjoy our time here. Um, so you got to put that in there now, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you to go be a complete hedonist either. But if you need to build in some rewards, do that by all means. Um, I think that that's a really helpful tool along the way, you know, to just just celebrate those victories uh, here and there as you go. Yeah. Uh, the only time I would say that you need to be a lot more aggressive is if you are in a ton of debt, m- maybe get after Dave's plan a little more. Okay, Jason. We discussed a lot of really great stuff today. Uh, I think this was a good one and much needed. So why don't we distill this one down for our listeners? Yeah, let's start with some bullet points here, Caleb. First, we talked about does everyone need a budget? Yes. Yeah, I think the answer is definitively yes. It doesn't matter how much money you're making. It doesn't matter where you are uh, financially. A budget is indispensable. That goes for you and me, brother. I know. I do a budget. All you money muddlers out there listening, we're talking to you and us. Everyone needs a budget. We also talked about the reasons why we don't budget. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary. Um, it's the accountability factor. Uh, we don't want to see where our money's going, but ultimately that's what's best for us. Yeah, and it just doesn't seem fun. No. It's not a cool thing to talk about. No, it's not as cool as uh, buying Bitcoin at a coin or whatever, but much more practical and applicable for most. 
We also talked about why budgeting is so important. And really, in a nutshell, the reason that it's important is because it will help you get further financially. Yeah. Uh, We talked a bit about prioritizing as well, Uh, especially if there's a family dynamic, you know, get your spouse uh, on board. Uh, You you can't have two people running the budget, but only one person actually running the budget. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense, but I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm following along a little bit. (laughs) If you're married, doing a budget will help your marriage. Yeah. I know it feels like it'll feel like at first that it's hurting it. (laughs) Well, and and that's, uh, you know, where you've got to be honest with each other. Uh, it's got to be a safe zone whenever you're, you're hashing out that initial budget. Um, (laughs) but getting on track with the same priorities. And again, we're not here to say that, uh, we want to outlaw fun. Uh, just budget it in, uh, find out what are your family priorities what do you want to prioritize your spending on and do it? We talked about results you'll get from doing a budget. And I think that you'll find a little bit more freedom from doing a budget. You'll be a little more focused. And I think you'll feel better about what's happening with your money if you do a budget. Yeah, you'll definitely feel more control over your finances, which is huge. So how do you stick to your budget when things get messy? And ultimately, it will get messy. Yeah, uh, well, give yourself some grace that it's not going to be perfect. And whatever budgeting tool you've decided to use, whether it's a yellow pad or Excel or you need a budget or Dave Ramsey's every dollar or mint.com or whatever it is, give yourself some grace. It's not going to be perfect every month, especially early on when you start doing it. Yeah, you're going to miss some stuff. You're going to forget things. Just handle that with some grace and uh, move money from here to there and figure it out as you go. It's definitely a process. So uh, like you said, give yourself some grace. Um, Give yourself some time to figure it out. Don't quit uh, because it doesn't work out great in the first couple of months. You're you're figuring out how to do it. So um, a, a big thing, you know, how to make adjustments. I think that's really important. Um, how, how do you make adjustments when that budget is blown up and inevitably it will, it will be blown up at some point when kids need braces or someone breaks a leg or, you know, whatever roof caves in. Yeah. Communication is key with that. If you're married, you've got to have an emergency budget meeting. I think that's what, uh, the Pope of personal finance, Dave Ramsey calls it. And, uh, if you're single, you just need to get the budget back out and just look at it analytically, see where you can move money from. And again, give yourself a healthy dose of grace. Yep. Uh, also, I'm going to throw this one in at the end. Celebrate your successes. Uh, it's really hard to be stringent and just stick to a budget and not have any fun. You are taking the reins over of your financial life. Enjoy the progress that you're making. Budget in a little bit of celebration for the progress that you make. Uh, You have to enjoy it, but with moderation, like these cocktails that we're drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So it's time for the next segment, Jason, which is questions straight up. Okay. So this one is from David and he writes, My wife and I are really getting aggressive and paying off debt. We're at the point where we only have our mortgage left. Congratulations. Yeah! You don't do that without budgeting, do you, Jason? Well, you might if you make a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, His question is, when does it make sense to explore a refinance? And before you answer that question, I know this, David. David, you are a fan of Kentucky Mules. Do yourself a favor and take that bottle of New Riff Single Barrel Go buy yourself some Q brand tonic water and enjoy some meals, buddy. Go, Jason. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. To answer this question about refinancing, uh, this is uh, this is basically a math question. It does depend on a few other variables, and I, so I want to be brief because uh, this is probably its own episode, right, Caleb? Yeah, we're going to talk about I, I, uh, refinancing. I'm going to go ahead and promise it. I, I think that this needs to be an episode. Uh, it's a great conversation starter. So you know, we can throw a couple ideas out there, but folks, stay tuned. Um, this is one that needs to be done. Uh, but David, to answer your question quick, uh, I would definitely consider the idea of a refinance if you're lowering your interest rate or lowering your term or both. And uh, basically, all you need to do is check out the closing costs associated with the loan, see how much they are, how much is it going to cost you to refinance this loan. And if you can find out how long it's going to take you to recoup that cost with the new loan that you have, that's going to be your break-even point. If that is before you would have paid off the other mortgage, then it's a good idea to do it. So you need to consider how long you're going to stay in the house, what your current interest rate is, what your current payment is, if you've got enough flexibility and what the current payment is. But basically, you want to figure out that break-even point. And that break-even point will tell you uh, if it's worth it or not. Yeah. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring here. Just a couple of other things. Uh, Real simple calculation. Take the remaining term take what you're currently paying on your mortgage and and come to that number. And then when you're looking at your refinance options, um, make sure that that number is less. I know it sounds really simple, but it doesn't make any sense to do it just because your rate's lower if you're paying more uh, over time. And I know you know that. Put a little bit of math behind it. I mean, we've seen closing costs anywhere from $200 to $6,000, and that makes a huge difference. You know, if, if the closing costs are a hurdle to get over, Maybe you just throw more money at principal every month. This is one of those depends situations. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you're paying more in principal, you know, after your refinance than you are now, that's probably a good starting point. And I don't want to, you know, throw any specific banks or programs out there, but there are some things that you want to keep an eye out for. Uh, a lot of banks have programs um, that are, uh, you know, you might pay a little bit higher interest rate than what you can, you know, the absolute rock bottom that you can get. But you might only pay two or three hundred dollars in closing costs versus four or five, six thousand dollars. And uh, you know, if you're within ten years of paying off your mortgage, that's a game changer. So, again, stay tuned because I think that's an episode, and uh, we should probably bring in a mortgage expert on that, wouldn't you say? I think we're mortgage experts, but whatever. Okay, I agree. We're experts at just about everything, aren't we? That is not true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> stay tuned. I think that's a really good episode. Great question, David. Thank you for asking. Jason, this is the part of the show when we invite our listeners to speak easy about whatever's on their mind. This is a great place to share a recipe or a story or any thoughts, questions, and emotional outbursts that you may have. Did anything come into the speakeasy this week? Boy, did it, Caleb. We've got a lot of people joining this little program and listening to it. <laughs> this humble program of ours. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just pleased as punch to to share these well that's just swell jason <laughs> it's nifty caleb it's the bee's knees i tell you uh, abby writes in and says loved this guys so informative and entertaining thank you so much abby for listening yeah uh amor oh six amor six right coming back for more i learned something about cocktails and finance each week jason and caleb do a great job of keeping their listeners engaged 
Thank you for the kind words. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Amorg6. <laughs> uh, Beetroot Brooke writes in. I know, Brooke. Thanks, thanks so much for taking the time to write into us, Brooke. She says, fun finance, guys. <laughs> what else does she Caleb, say? <laughs> Caleb and Jason mix their financial expertise, humor, and cocktail hobby to create this informative podcast about high finance. High finance. Thank you I, so much. I'm sure Brooke. she said it right when she typed it. I'm, I definitely said finance. <laughs> uh, CMR4star says, nice job. You keep me interested. You play off each other very well, and I love the knowledge of drinks mixed with finance. <laughs> you think we play off each other well i can't take it with this guy anymore i'm just kidding you, you love me i love you and fifth jw says oh and fifty hi she says <laughs> five stars that's what she says she's and these five guys stars are, i assume she says these guys are informative and hilarious and that's great news yeah I, I think that's what, exactly what we're striving to be. We set out for hilarious. I'm glad that we're also <laughs> informative. I don't know. Like the hilarious thing, I I think people can tell when they're listening to us that that's what we're trying really, really hard at. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, if you want your comments read on the podcast, go out to the friend face, a.k.a. Facebook. Find our secret speakeasy Facebook group. And uh, join in the conversation. Throw out some comments. Uh, we'll be sure to read them. Um, we have polls and just some fun stuff on there uh, for our listeners. So yes. uh, wink, wink. It's secret, but you can find it if you're looking for it. Uh, we'd love to have you participate on the secret speakeasy. Jason, I think it's that time. Uh, we are going to close out the tab. So thanks for having a drink with us this week. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone that needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with all of the latest actions by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or persuadent to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. Do 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 do